Welcome to the ProcureTech podcast, bringing insight and inspiration into how digital technology is shaping our profession. I'm your host, James Meads, tea drinker, expat, and definitely not your typical consultant. Welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech podcast and one of the things that we're going to explore in today's episode kind of harks back to a point that I saw, a post that I saw on LinkedIn from, I think it was Matthias Gutzman from Digital Procurement World, and he was saying that digital transformation doesn't necessarily have to be expensive or complex. And just like we went through with Tamo from Procurement Flow in Series 1, Episode 2 a few weeks back, some of the solutions out there don't require an army of consultants or a huge investment to really move the needle. And sometimes the most simple solutions are often the most effective in terms of reducing the time that procurement professionals spend on administrative tasks that don't really add any value. So with that said, I would like to welcome to the podcast Anthony Clervy from Una. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thanks, James. Really glad to be here. Awesome. So, Anthony, I think most people, myself included, tend to fall into the procurement space. I mean, nobody goes through school or uni and says, I want to be a buyer. Uh, Yeah, I didn't. (laughs) So maybe first of all, if you can give us your story on how you fell into what we do, and then we can dig into a little bit more about what UNA is and and who it serves. Yes, well, I can can definitely relate. I didn't, uh, I didn't grow up or well, I guess I say I, should, I haven't grown up yet, but uh, didn't grow up, go to school and say, great, I want to be in the procurement or group purchasing or GPO space. I um, actually joined a team of investors um, in just roughly about under t- uh, a decade ago, just about eight years ago. And they were doing some projects just in the United States uh, for fraternities and sororities in the Greek space. And and really in the food in the food business and una formed from there and it was really kind of an evolution of an opportunity for myself where prior to the gpo and procurement space i was still kind of in this align you know bringing a a buyer and a seller together i'd worked in the home services space a company called home advisor and so i was helping build that network and I did some consulting prior to that and so i joined the investors and as a co-founder um, with them helped realize like, okay, there's a real opportunity here because, uh, in the short of it, group purchasing has genesis from healthcare, you know, primarily in the States. And there's an extraordinary opportunity, uh, not only in the private space, but public as well. And so about eight years ago, we got together, there was some, um, you know, a lot of failures, but you know, I said, Hey, I was a young kid. I wasn't married at the time, no kids. Um, let's jump in and see if we can really create a brand and and as you mentioned, um, find the companies that don't have an army or don't have these huge, huge budgets. So Una is a group purchasing organization, but it as you mentioned, it didn't start out being branded as that, and it's not the typical sort of stereotypical startup story. Um and I know at least, and you alluded to it in the States as well, that group purchasing over there kind of had its origins in healthcare. In the UK, certainly my it. experience is similar, that it's it was historically more common in, in, in the public sector and in the NGO space. 
I know that universities, for example, have had buying consortiums for, for quite a long time, which sort of does the does the pooling together yep. of buying power and negotiating. And I mean the the concept itself is is nothing extraordinary it's nothing particularly unique right um so maybe other than having a really well designed and great looking website i have to say thank you um what distinguishes una from being sort of just another me too product maybe you can walk through some of the um some of the nuances of of una that distinguishes it from some of the other gpos that are out there happy to do that so i think some of the things that stand out uh, to me is, again, I'll give credit to our marketing team for our great brand. Uh, they'll love to hear that. Um, but we have identified really a cause and we call it the sourcing hero. And we want to empower sourcing heroes and go after and uh, bring value to the small, medium size and, and semi-large businesses. Typically, a company that has about 1,000 to 5,000 employees, we do have some organizations that we serve are 5,000 to 10,000 employees, but it's usually that one person procurement team or one to five folks who I think you mentioned it prior to when we jumped on the podcast, like, uh, or even at the beginning here, if you don't have an army, if you don't have a budget, what makes Una different? And so, yes, we are a group purchasing organization, but we want to understand and we want to advise. Uh, and we want to we want to ask the right questions before we just try to sell you meat like a butcher. And so we'll have these conversations, and we have a very consultative approach. Um, we don't just have product on the shelf that we're trying to push down your throat. And we have a team of folks that understand the procurement process um, at a high level and very detailed. And we look at and we look at our model in two different ways. So our end users, who are our members or future members. Um, and then we also look at our supplier partners as our members or customers as well. And so we kind of, if you notice on the UNA logo, kind of this triangular focus, you have UNA, which is trying to bring the solution and advisor approach as the GPO or group purchasing organization, but then you have the member and the supplier. And so this unity or this oneness is, although it sounds silly and uh, ethereal, is is very real. And what we tend to find um, is that a lot of the folks that are coming to us, whether it be in our current membership or future membership, don't have a strategic plan or don't have the time or the resources, uh, or they don't know how to vet out suppliers. They don't know, how, they can't go through the RFPs. Uh, they can't deliver the savings, uh, that they need to, or, or track that savings. And so a lot of the time we're going over a lot of their pain points and trying to understand, again, it gets back to that consultative approach. So I think the biggest thing that makes us different is our consultative approach and also how we look at our supplier partners with our members. And there's this, there's this real unity. And a lot of the times, a lot of our conversations, maybe we're directing them elsewhere. Um, if, if it's not a good fit for us, or maybe there's some categories that don't make sense. And so I really look at that um, as a core value-driven company that we are looking out for the best interest of our member. And that's a daily thing. Uh, so I think I think those are some of the things that stand out for me of what Una is and how we want to approach the GPO space. We also understand that we believe there's a there's a fit for us because overall procurement as the umbrella, we believe utilizing a, a GPO is part and can be a part 
of your overall procurement strategy. And you raised a good point there that if you're taking a more consultative approach, you can't be everything to everyone. And there's a phrase, and it doesn't really it's it doesn't you really it. work in British English because but the, the riches are in the niches, and we say niche, so it doesn't really work. Um, <laughs> But but I mean, sure. you're right that I guess every company will need to buy something like like office supplies and um, uh, and and sort of some degree personal protective equipment. But it's but more, then yeah. there are other things. You know, not everyone's going to need to buy forklift truck spare parts, for example. So, who would nope. you concentrate on as your typical client? I mean, I, I know you, you've you've said in terms of the company size, but do you do you niche down in terms of industry as well? Most of the, to your point, we're a more, a more focused horizontal uh, GPO or, or, or group purchasing advisor where we're focusing on all different types of businesses within the business. You know, we call it kind of the private GPO space. And then we are servicing the healthcare uh, GPO space specifically within like non-acute. So anything that's not a hospital. Um, and we have a fairly kind of a 60-40 breakdown. More of our focus is on the business side. But at the end of the day, we're not, I would, offer, I would offer up that like forklifts and some of these direct spend items, steel or these major commodities, that's not, that's not exactly um, Una's forte or an area we would, we would advise and hand that off to some of the partners that we know could fulfill that. But to your point, a lot of this uh, universal or indirect spend or tail spend that, that does add up, that's unplanned. Um, and, and most of the professionals and sourcing heroes, as we call them, look at that as non-strategic yeah. uh, because they're not able to maybe move the needle or maybe not getting C-suite buy-in on, on managing that. We believe that's a great uh, onboarding and, and on-ramp uh, on for us to come in, have a conversation. And I should have mentioned this too, what makes us a little bit different and I'll, I'll, I'll share is just the education. It, it surprises me and our team still to this day. And that's why I love talking to professionals like yourself who've been in the space for a couple of decades of just getting the information out there and educating folks uh, in the business space and, and elsewhere about the power and concept of a group purchasing organization, what's available, um, what the goals are, how can you, how can you can achieve value and complement what you're already doing. And we really believe that we can get the message out in a clear voice that we want to advise and there is real opportunity, but that we want to educate. And that's a, that's a lot of what we do. We spend a lot of time educating because uh, there's still a lot of unknowns for folks. Not, you know, most of the questions we get, James, it's too good to be true. Or why haven't <laughs> I had heard of this before? And they still don't get that there could be a win-win benefit. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, I know I'm with you and, and I get it. Maybe that's just our society or, um, you know, too much capitalism, but just trying to speak the truth over here. So so it sounds like then you're, you're certainly making a pretty distinct line between what you do and what a typical MRO integrator or distributor would do that would typically then concentrate more on technical spare parts and and technical solutions that they can offer their client in terms of you know operational performance improvement. Um, so is it fair to say then what what Una offers is more sort of off the shelf products that may typically be available through punch out catalogs if uh, if companies are far enough down that line to implement those sort of integrated solutions. Yes, that's so that'll come up again. You mentioned office supplies. I think it's on a category by category basis. Um, you know, most of the 
opportunities that we're running into. Maybe they can't wait for an RFP or don't want to go through it if they're not on the public side. Yeah. Um, there's typically a short sales cycle. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of the quicker wins, if you will, on this non-strategic indirect spend. Uh, it just, it tends to be very reactive. And so the quick, you know, quicker wins where we already have the contract in place that, that can allow for, um, some negotiation and some autonomy, uh, but it's ready to go. And so we're trying to identify how can we implement and work with that member and work with that supplier to really um, over overcome any pre, uh, preconceived notions. Obviously, educate both the supplier and the member. And as you met, you know, the punch out process. Or again, we we can kind of mix and match and and blend with with however a member or future member is going about their business. Uh, and sometimes though, we'll, we'll share our thoughts and say, well, have you thought about doing it like this? And, um, what if we, what if we didn't go that route? And, um, and so that again, gets back to that more consultative advisory educational approach, um, to really, again, we want to just emphasize it more and more empowering that sourcing hero to make the best decision. So, they can go on and do the more strategic things that they've been hired to do or the team has been hired to do. And you raise a very good point there with doing the strategic things that they're hired to do, because if you've got a if you've got a spend of one hundred thousand dollars or euro on one category, then the chances are you're probably not going to go through the classic sort of 80 Kearney seven step sourcing process on something uh, on something of that level. Whereas if you can go to a, an organization that will guarantee you X percent saving on that, you'll say, yeah, I'll take it, you know, for the, Absolutely. for the work, for the work, it will, it, for the work, it will save you, you know, for all of the, for all of the spade work to go out there and do a fully fledged RFP and maybe get, even if you get 15%, that's like what, 15 grand. It's, it's an sure. effort versus benefit. And what's it? Yeah. And what's our number one asset? It's of course time. It's so, yeah, and people. And, yeah. Right. Time and people. So do you also offer warehousing and fulfillment and invoicing on behalf of the client or is it, is it, or is it simply just a pooling of, of resources and spend to get the best possible discount? So we're pooling resources and spend. I think that's a great way to say it. And we have negotiated contracts ready to go within our kind of robust portfolio. And when those kind of warehousing and the deeper questions of how, how do we reach certain sites and how are we packaging and LTL and, and you get into all that, that's when we really bring in and ideally it's, we've already had that deeper conversation with the supplier and they're fulfilling and helping us with that. And a lot of those service and uh, agreements and setups and approaches are already in our contracts. And so that's, again, part of the transparency message that we have and how we want to make sure that we're setting right expectations from the beginning with the member and, of course, our supplier partner who has to execute and deliver and fulfill. So with any type of business model similar to this, there are typically three ways that you can make money from it. You you either would charge your your members a fee, you would get some type of kickback or, or, or rebate from or, or, or cashback at the end of the, at the end of the year from the supply base um, as a as a thank you for giving them access to your members, or or you would earn money through consulting and training or some kind of upsell, or even maybe a mixture of all three. So, without right. giving away any trade secrets, how, how does how does Una make money? Again, I think I think you nailed it. I think you hit all three fairly uh, fairly accurately. 
in the traditional sense, what we, what we have built in the structure that we abide by and we feel like it brings the most value to the member and the supplier is we don't charge our members, which again is another educational. So to your point, usually the member or the conversation uh, with the customer is, okay, so if you don't charge us, how do you make money? As you mentioned, James, and we have built in a structure that's appropriate with all of our suppliers. And we use the language called admin fees. And so we have admin fees built in there that um, are appropriate, but competitive enough to where, again, if you get um, too greedy, uh, you're not going to be able to bring that value to the end user who's actually buying and purchasing on the contract or the product or service. And so it is through those negotiated admin fees with our supplier partners who we again believe are a part of kind of what we call our universe um you know kind of similar to the universe <laughs> like what you did then. kind of fun there <laughs> yeah there's a little fun there um you gotta you know we gotta figure out a way to make supply chain and and the procurement conversations fun uh but i i know you know that for your from your experience and so Absolutely. in the short in the short it's through the suppliers and so we bring value to them and we, we, we are focused on targets, classes of trade and areas in the market that uh, they're not already accessing or not already reaching. And so not only are we trying to serve our members and the sourcing heroes, we're trying to serve our suppliers and help them reach avenues, uh, categories and areas they haven't reached before so that there's a mutual benefit. Um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, win, win, win. And, and if, if we're not thinking that way on a daily basis, um, it's, it's just not going to lead to that long-term value. And again, I, we just emphasize core values, not only with ourselves, our team internally, but then with our members and ideally with the suppliers to get what we do and, and how we do it. And, um, at the end of the day, we don't charge the member. Our focus is to bring them value and savings. And if we do our job there, um, the rest will fall into place. So it's free at the point of entry for the for the for the you buyers as the as, as the members and 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 they they don't have to pay a a, a transaction cost per order or, or per percentage of spend. It's all it's all taken out on the on the supplier side in terms of well, it's kind of an introductory fee to get to to get them access to your to your client base, isn't it? I mean, that's the you got probably it. the best way to describe it. That's the best okay. way to describe it. And and do you also offer services on top? If you, if you had a client that that maybe as as you as you explained, a lot of them are more in the sort of transactional operational procurement space, but maybe don't have a department big enough to tackle the strategic stuff. Do you have some sort of consulting arm on top of that? So we do have. It's it's kind of few and far between. These consulting conversations have come up. We do. We have some alliance partners. I've taken on a few projects myself. It is much more on a case-by-case basis. We tend to usually hand off those conversations, but I was in a conversation a couple of weeks ago uh, with a gentleman in Australia who was looking at some advisory uh, approaches on building a GPO uh, within the HVAC contractor business. And then we were just on a call this week uh, with some gentlemen in a electrical co-op in the U.S. Virgin Islands in Puerto Rico and looking at a, a consulting opportunity. So there's, it's amazing of the different conversations that come our way and we try to be again we want to make sure we're not we can't be everything to everyone but if we yeah. are going to take on some consulting and you know, a lot of that's going to be on my back um, and making sure that i'm i can deliver the value of just with my name in the space and, and what una is doing and trying to figure out okay if we're going to bring and allocate resources there 
uh, we want to make sure that doesn't take away from our core business. Yeah, and it's like everything, isn't it? If you're saying yes to something, then you're uh, then then you're saying no to something else by 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 nature. If there's only certain number of hours and a number of hours, opportunity costs, right, James? Yeah, opportunity costs. Okay. Yeah, economics. Just make sure you understand. Yeah. <laughs> right, make sure you understand what your what your cost is and, and potential gain. So. So what are your plans for the future, Anthony? Are there any plans to expand internationally or into different sectors with, with your model and with the brand? Yes, we love, look, there are sourcing heroes all across the globe. Right now we're servicing the United States and Canada. And then we've done a few things internationally where we've had consultative conversations. Um, but I think they're just obviously with your background and, and focus and, and niche on technology. I think there's an extraordinary technology we are working on a few um, things right now that I can't get into that I think can be very exciting from a technology standpoint or just basic reporting or, you know, a lot of what we find is our sourcing heroes are continuing to look for how can we, how can we understand the data and how can we manage the data? It's one thing to get the savings up front, but what about managing the saving, the savings on the back end? And we're looking at ways right now and striving toward ways that we can help folks, uh, really identify and manage that. And so I think there's an extraordinary opportunity in data management, uh, management of savings, more transparency. I think we can go beyond what we're doing in the States, even though I think there's still a tremendous opportunity here. And, and look, we're, we're a lean, mean shop and we've been, you know, we're a almost, uh, you know, overnight success in eight years or as they say, and it's taken us a long time to kind of position ourselves and how Una wants to go to market and, making sure that we're we're getting buy-in from our suppliers and from our members so we're continuing to ask questions to our members just like you're asking and what are your pain points what other pain points are you dealing with and is there other things beyond data uh, and other resources that you would like and so that's how we're kind of curating information and trying to make the best decision for for our universe if you will and data is kind of a common theme among pretty much everybody that I've interviewed right. so far for the for, for this podcast because behind every digital transformation, you know, be it a very, very complex enterprise level system um, or, or, or a scrappy startup that does one particular small portion of the whole sort of source to contract process good data and the ability the the ability to be able to extract that data and manipulate it and put it in front of the CFO to say that what procurement is doing is added value is, is added value is really front and center to any objective of digital transformation well that that and and reducing the amount of administrative time that procurement profe- professionals spend on on busy work I mean I think they're the two overarching components every time yeah so what do you find? How do how are your, you know, you're talking to other experts in this space and there's a lot of what are they doing to help manage the data and how are they engaging? You know, we've we've done some blogs on trying to get C suite to discuss the power of sweet suite being bought in for a, a healthy procurement strategy and embracing procurement, not not looking at it as a as a reactive or a you know a, a have to rather than this can be strategic. Are you are you seeing yeah. ways that they're embracing compliance or data or, or, or sifting through that? It, it's, it's a great question. And, and Susan Walsh, who I interviewed a couple of weeks ago, made a really good point that it won't necessarily have an immediate visible payback, but just as CFOs and CEOs see 
investing in capital equipment and machinery as an investment. They should see investing in good data processes and clean data as, as an investment that will, that will pay back dividends over time. That's, uh, and that really resonated with me because you're never going to be able to convince a CFO that there will be hard savings directly apportionable to, to doing a data cleansing. They will come, sure, but it's very difficult to directly link and correlate those two together. It's a long-term so, play. Exactly, and- yeah. So, and Anthony, if, if anyone would like to get in touch with you to discuss how you've done it, or maybe who wants to collaborate with you in terms of going into other sectors, what's, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? Absolutely, James. Thanks. So you can check us out at una.com. That's una.com. And there's plenty of avenues to onboard. Contact us. We'd love to speak with you. I've got a personal brand that I'm building at anthonyclervy.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, last name C L E R V I, but I'm sure we can push that out on the on the podcast. And look, we'd we'd love to hear from you. Again, it's una una.com and fill out a form or or uh, give us a call. We have an you know phone number there. So we we'd love to connect with you or collaborate or if there's other conversations where, you know, again, I think there's such an opportunity to reach the sourcing hero and and collaborate with others that um you know, that, that have questions about the space. I can't emphasize enough the education opportunity of, of talking about where, where we fit in the overall procurement strategy. And I'll link to all of those in the show notes, Anthony. So thanks for that. Every okay. time you say sourcing hero, I've got to be honest, I keep having a, a vision pop into my head of someone dressed in spandex sat in a corporate office. Absolutely. Well, we love that. Ho- holding a, hopefully holding a calculator or doing something fun or be, feeling empowered <laughs> or floating you know, and floating into the CFOs or C-suite's office or even the, the CPO feeling like the sourcing hero or having a sourcing hero teams. We, we think there's a real theme there that um, we want to have reverberate, uh, not only just in the States, but hopefully across the globe. So there's, there's a real opportunity to get and make sure that the sourcing heroes is not on the map, but, but front and center. And although it may not have the uh, existential short-term gains, there are some long-term opportunities if you're you're making good decisions. So that picture of the sourcing hero, my friends, is what I will leave you with as a thought in your head to end this episode. Anthony, thanks very much again for coming on the show. Lovely to speak to you and really excited to see what the future's got in store for you. Likewise, James. Appreciate you. Good luck to you. Cheers. Thanks again to Anthony for coming on the show. And group procurement really is an interesting way to be able to drive some quick and easy savings if you're either a small organization with a relatively low headcount in procurement or if you've got categories that are troublesome to manage but don't really warrant going through a full-scale sourcing process because of the level of spend and uh, an anticipated gain at the end of it. So while this may not be a technical sort of IT type of solution per se, it's most definitely part of a digital transformation in that you're taking that work away from your own organization and giving it to another organization that has all of the IT systems in place to manage all of the vendors, all of the invoices, all of the deliveries without you needing to take that responsibility for what is essentially tail spend or non-strategic, non-critical spend. So I hope that's given you some food for thought on how to proceed. And if you're in the States and what Anthony's offering sounds interesting, then definitely reach out to him. Thanks again for listening. Catch you again next week on the ProcureTech podcast. Until then, if you like us, then please 
go ahead and give us a review or subscribe to us on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We'd really appreciate that. It helps us meet, reach more people. And yeah, keep doing what you're doing out there during these tough times and catch you again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the ProcureTech podcast. If you like the show, then please subscribe or even better, why not write us a quick review on Apple Podcasts? It would not only really make my day, but it would also help our mission to enable procurement and finance leaders to become more data-driven through the power of digital transformation.